all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? You know. <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitter at All Bad Things Pod. Emails all bad things pod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know why I think I'm in such a good mood? Why is that? Because tax season Raquel it is gone. Is and gone. Forever. Yes. yes. We've exercised her. Yes. She's, so now I'm just happy. Yeah. Yes. I'm just in a good mood. <laughs> we've, uh, <laughs> we've drained all the spirits out of the house. <laughs> Yes, we did. We performed the exorcism. <laughs> yes. Yes, we did. Um, so I had a couple of things. One is we got a listener email from Nicole Y. Okay. Who had, wanted to make a correction. Sure. Regarding, specifically regarding um, when, when we talked about the 1904 Olympic marathon. Okay. You know, we were saying that the Olympics basically, like, uh, the host city builds up all this infrastructure and basically financially ruins the city. <laughs> Probably wasn't the case in 1904. Well, or... so this is, uh, well, let's read what Nicole uh, has yeah. to say. I wanted to make a correction for David's comment from this week's episode. This was, <laughs> this was last week. He mentioned the Calgary Olympics and the venues going into disrepair after the games. As a Canadian and current Calgary resident, oh, I want to clear up a few things. The Calgary Games were one of the most profitable games ever held, and all of the venues were used for years after, and many are still in use. Several venues were not built specifically for the games, which saved money, and also ensured that the venues were places that would continue to be relevant. McMahon Stadium, which hosted the opening and closing ceremonies, is still home to the Calgary Stampede. Okay, CFL, CFL yep. Yeah. Uh, Canadian Football League, I imagine. Eh? Okay. That, now that's or the stamp the stampeders to be correct. Calgary oh, stampeders? it does say stampeders. I yeah. said stampedes, you did. but Nicole said stampeders. Um, now that is football in the sense that we know it in the U.S., right? Not soccer. Uh, correct. Okay. It's a Canadian. It's American Canadian, Canadian football. football. <laughs> the rules are a little different. Right. You get you get three downs, and the field is 120 yards long that's and right. 75 yards wide. Yeah, that's interesting. It's a much bigger field. Huh? And like the sidelines are smaller. I think no, that so. has and nothing the, to do with it. And the goalposts, I think, are still in the front of the end zone. Really? I think so. Oh, that's wild. have to start watching Canadian They were football. at some point, or for a long time. Huh. The Saddle Dome still hosts the Calgary mm-hmm. Flames, NHL, nope. mm-hmm. and is used year-round as a concert venue. Wasn't that built for the Olympics? I guess I didn't know that. I guess so. Okay. The Stampede Corral, which hosted some figure skating and hockey, was only torn down in 2020 to make way for the BMO Center expansion. The Olympic Oval is still a world-class training facility for speed skating. The ski jumps and luge slash bobsleigh track were only closed in 2018, but were part of a larger park, Canada Olympic Park, which also hosted freestyle skiing and is still a thriving year-round operation. Canmore Nordic Center hosted the Nordic events and has been home to multiple World Cup events, is the training site for world-class athletes, and just recently went through a large expansion. Nikiski 
Nikiska Ski Hotel hosted the alpine skiing events and is still open as a great local ski facility. Olympic Plaza, where the medal ceremonies were held, is used year-round in a variety of ways, with concerts in the summer and an ice skating rink in the winter. Uh, so, you know how Olympic hosts, hosts waste pathetic amounts of money on arenas and stadiums that are practically useless, useless after the games are played? Well, here's the exception. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, uh, I know that many Olympic cities have a horrible track record regarding the venue after the games leave, but Calgary is not one of them. It's make me think, maybe I meant, because I haven't listened to that episode right. again, so I don't know exactly what we I said. We never remember what we said. No. <laughs> but maybe I was trying to say Montreal, because Montreal, uh, like a lot of stuff, like, I mean, has... Well, let's see if but, a Montreal resident now comes let's out see. of the word. I don't know. <laughs> I hope this didn't come off as a rant, but I know that many people in Calgary and Canada, including me, obviously, are proud of the legacy left from the 1988 games. Nice. I think that was very informational. Absolutely. And very well well said. Thank you, Nicole. Yes. Thank you very much. Very good. From our Calgary resident. Yes, I stand corrected. There you go. Yes. Very good. Um, so, yeah, correction corner there. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Calgary correction Calgary. corner. <laughs> Calgary mm. correction corner, eh? Calgary, Alberta, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. I've never been. I've I've heard it's awesome. I'd like to go to Calgary, Toronto, Vancouver, Prince Edward Island, Nova Scotia. Um, pretty much. Montreal's great. Montreal, I've, I've yes. I've not I been go to Montreal. Montreal in so long. I've never and I used been. To, I used to go there all the time. Mm. Yeah, I'd like to go to many places in Canada, visit our friends to the Great White North. I've only been to Niagara Falls. That's the only Canadian place I've been to. It is, isn't it? Yeah. The mm. Canadian side of Niagara Falls. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure which, I never Which I went... knew. Like, I was like, yes. no, we're staying on the Canadian side. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, the office ladies just started covering the wedding episodes sure. where we went to Sure, that's where they had it, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were on and the I'm sure side. they filmed it there, because they had to have. The Maid of the Mist scenes they did. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. But that was it. Okay. The rest of the wedding and stuff was all soundstage or whatever, so... Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention, because I, I really find this fascinating, and one day I might do the death of Natasha Richardson, but hmm. echoing that, we found out Bob Saget's cause of death It was a recently. head injury. Apparently a pretty bad one that the coroner, I guess, has deduced was from a, an unwitnessed fall. Like, he fell and hit his head mm-hmm. badly, apparently. But then just like went to sleep, like climbed into bed, went to bed, and yeah. and which is what you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to at all. But you know what's so funny is like not funny, but you know what I mean. That strange. I can see myself like say you fell mm-hmm. and hit your head. I would be like, we are going to the hospital. <laughs> we are getting everything checked out now. If I fell and hit my head, I'd probably be like, this is fine. It's fine. It's fine. You know, there's just this natural tendency to be like, no, 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 I'm okay, I'm okay, it's it's it's, it's fine, you know, because there's a weird, like, there's an embarrassment factor, there's, like, all this stuff. Not to mention, in the United States, it's not like, like, you gotta make sure, you financially have to make sure there's a reason for you to go to the doctor, a lot of the time, remember when... Otherwise. I, yeah, otherwise, you're on the hook for thousands of dollars. Like, and that's even if you're insured mm-hmm. well. Like, remember when I woke up with that stabbing mm-hmm. lung pain and I almost threw up and... I never found out what it was. 
No, and it took me a, a hot minute to like decide that I should go to the ER. It could have been a fucking like lung clot. But it was. I mean, ultimately, it, it was a good decision. It was, but it still, it still cost, cost us money. five grand yeah. in a deductible, and and for but, what? <laughs> well, at least we were smart enough to take advantage of like. Okay, all right. right. Then we got everything else. <laughs> everything <done then>. else <laughs> was free. <laughs> well, <laughs> literally, yeah, we had hit our deductible, so it's we like, did try to get this. our money's Let's do worth. that. Let's do all of these things. But the thing is, allergy like, tests. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not sure if you have something that's serious or not, and head injuries are hard to call. Sure. Because sometimes, yes, you can fall asleep and you die, like Bob Saget did. A lot of the time, you got well, a bump on the head if you're, and that's um, it. Because you know? if you're concussed, like the. Right. Your mm-hmm. brain is kind of rattled, and the last thing you want to do is just kind of, you know, put yourself to sleep in that moment. You want to stay right. aware. Well, and the other thing that's, is... That's, like, the only thing we knew, like, back in the day. Right. Like, make sure he doesn't go to sleep. And something else that people pointed out, if he was alone when he fell, if Nobody he was would've... stunned when he woke up, he wouldn't have been in the best headspace to make a call yeah. as to whether he should go not. to the hospital or not. So maybe he was like, and, oh, and that was dude, weird. Let me go, go It's Bob rest. Saget. He's worth who knows how many oh, tens yeah. of... Oh, yeah. He wasn't so worried he pro- about he probably, going to the hospital. I'm no, sure. but he probably slipped and hit his head on like a marble floor. Right. You know what I mean? something like that. It was in a hotel that he died, so... He was probably... I'm sure he was in the, the $10,000 a night suite. I'm sure he was in a nice spot. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. So it's just one of those wild things. Basically... If you hit your head, please go to the emergency room ASAP or urgent care or whatever. Don't think about the money. We'll figure it. We'll help you figure it out after the fact. Just don't, don't let yourself. I mean, that's that's very, that's you know, broad advice. Well, okay. <laughs> there is a money component. There to, is a money component, but do you see what I'm saying is that. I do. I do. Should that stop you? No, but like, like in that case, like go to an urgent care. I don't know. Okay, you're saying urgent <laughs> care versus ER. <laughs> yes. And please keep in mind, neither of us are doctors. So. <laughs> yeah, let's let's not even walk that. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't be giving medical advice. We, anyway. we should not. Just watch out for yourself. Period. In all occasions. Always do that. Mm-hmm. That's universal. What are we drinking? We Sorry, are drinking. We are drinking some fancy Moscow mules. Out of the copper mugs and yes. everything. Uh, my cousin Tim got us these yeah. mugs two or three ago. years ago for mm-hmm. Christmas, and they've we've always great. yes we've always used them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So, do you know what? There you go. What day this episode is coming out on? It will be coming out on Valentine's Day. That's right. So here is a topic I've been wanting to do every Valentine's Day since we started. Okay. It, Saint, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? Do you think I could I, do that I with just, our uh, just, guidelines? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that wasn't a crime at all. <laughs> Gunning down people in cold blood. Um, if, we, if we wanted to go, you know, true crime for just one story, like that'd be a fun one to do. <laughs> I don't know about fun, but well, yeah. we mentioned it in the Al Capone's Vault yes. mm-hmm. episode. Um, no, what? So this is related to say to Valentine's Day in name only. What is the word of the day for Valentine's Day? Love. Okay. What's a disaster with the word love in it? Oh, is it Love Island? Love Island? I'm kidding. <laughs> the, the TV show. It's not a disaster. It's fabulous. TV, TV it's fabulous. 
no disaster there. Several happy marriages have come from Love Island. But I actually thought you were thinking of this disaster when you said it, but you were just mislabeling it. This is the story of Love Canal. Yes. Did you know that? Well, I'm, I was joking with the Love Island. Oh, I know yeah. that, but do no, you know what Love Canal is? Have you heard of Love yeah, Canal? Yeah, isn't this a, a potential meltdown, nuclear meltdown? I think you're thinking of Three Mile Island. Is that what I'm thinking of? Okay, I'm not sure what this is then. Okay, but I you're know, not far of off. You're not far off. So, in the 1970s, one of the United States' most notorious Superfund sites mm. was exposed as having... Uh, as having exposed hundreds of local residents to toxic chemicals, resulting in untold health consequences, including documented birth defects. Cancer and... Yeah, we're going to get into all all of that. All sorts of fucking nightmarish things. Yes. Mm -hmm. Primary sources were Forgotten History, grist.org, history.com, Hooker Chemical and Love Canal by Tom Beauchamp, How Stuff Works, Retro Report... U.S. Department of Energy, and Wikipedia. So, a special shout-out to Michelle, who uh, contributed research. um, Oh, nice. Thank you, Michelle. Yes, and also shame on me for not covering it for almost three years after she finished it. Hey, we keep our promise that we'll get to them eventually. Yes. (laughs) Eventually could be in three years. Three years. And she's probably like, I, did I listen to that podcast? I don't even remember. Right? Probably. <laughs> like, whatever. I was into it for a while. Thanks, guys. <laughs> so uh, we're going to start exactly where you think we would start um, regarding Love Canal. We are going to talk about Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. Why not? Nikola Tesla, not Nikola. Yeah. Nikola Tesla, yes. So, the history of Love Canal goes back over 130 years. Back in the late 19th century, there was an industrial revolutionary war going on that would later be colloquially known as the War of the Currents. I'm guessing you've seen like a history. I've seen several things. Yep. It was uh, direct current versus alternate current. That's correct. So, Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla Mm -hmm. were the prime movers in this. And guess who won? Well, Tesla, basically, Mm -hmm. yeah. So uh, Edison, so greatest hits inventor of things. Inventor of a uh, lot. Like he's a light bulb, you know. He's a pretty important person, like in human history. He held over a thousand patents. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Mm -hmm. Like very prolific. Like uh, the human species would not be where it is now without him. Well, he came on at such along at such a pivotal time. Mm -hmm. It was during like. When in industry was starting to become a thing, and that and included like, a lot of modernization. Like, how do we turn on the lights all night so that we make people work all night? Yeah. Right. And that was like, if you give me a thousand dollars, which back then was like a million, right? Like, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And he did. Yeah, basically. He literally did. Yep. Technology. This was I the mean, cutting edge technology of the day. He shows up in a. Don't watch this documentary. Come to think of it, but. Oh. Uh, the Men Who Built America. Yeah, we so we started watching that. He is kind of a, a side character because he's involved with J.P. Morgan That's finances right. him. Uh-huh. Finances a lot of the things that he did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but anyway. Yes. <laughs> so Edison was working primarily with direct current. Um, can you, David, 
explain the difference between direct current and alternating current. I really cannot. <laughs> that's all right. It's just, it's different. I did all the ELI five <laughs> Googling. Yes, that's okay. Here's, here's, so, explain it like I'm five. It's just different. <laughs> it's just different. So essentially, and this is grossly oversimplified, direct current electricity flows one way. That makes sense. Alternating current sure. changes directions. That makes sense. Like it's that, it's really that simple, but. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but direct current or dc was edison's jam it was his thing he mm-hmm. opened a power plant in new york city in 1882 yes he did and a couple they of... cover that in the the documentary i was okay. just mentioning the men who builds america um and a couple of years later a young croatian immigrant named nikola tesla started working for him uh i bet tesla would have fucking slapped elon musk in the face uh, I, who knows? Maybe not. Maybe they would have become best of friends. Oh, that's so disappointing in Tesla, not in well, not I mean, Musk. Musk well, is a douchebag. We don't know how people will react from a hundred years apart of civilization. <laughs> I like it on the record that Elon Musk is a douchebag. For can, anyone listening a hundred years from now. We can put that on the record, yes. yes. God, such an egomaniac. Anyway. What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? People who fly into space for sixty seconds at the cost of eight billion dollars are egomaniacs, and then sell it, shitty cars. It could have cost ten billion, you know. <laughs> do you know Reddit's basically bringing down Tesla right now? No, that, <laughs> pretty that, much. That, I'm for it. <laughs> Somebody uh, showed a, a component of a Tesla engine with a really shitty soldering job. Well, the one uh, on that one Top Gear, mm-hmm. those guys have never given Tesla like a good grade, and okay. that's and that's like a show for like tech people, like and well, especially for for cars. And apparently, people have had it randomly like hardly hard break on them, accelerate on them, um, perceive a shadow as an <laughs> obstacle and break on them, like just really weird. Anyway. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't buy a Tesla, I'll tell you that. I'm glad we don't own one. Yes, correct. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to. So Tesla had been developing the idea of alternating current, or AC. You see my little title for this paragraph? ACDC. That's right. Very nice. They were thunderstruck. Um, <laughs> as the name well, was... Well, well the, f- <laughs> the first guy that got the chair used on him, yes, he was. We're going to get to that. Oh, my God, <laughs> we are we really? Yes, okay. we are. <laughs> Briefly, but yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the, as the name would suggest, the electricity changes direction or alternates a certain number of times per second. It's 60 in the U.S. In other places like Europe, it's 50. Yeah, the, they have the weird... The adapters. The weird to the us. Little, they have different yes. outlets and different... Because they're you pointed that out in, in yes. the British office, and I'm like... I'm like they that's look a, weird yeah, compared to us. We're used to one thing, you know. But apparently they work better. So, I don't know. It's just a different, um, different system. currency, I guess. Um, so AC has the, had the advantage of being able to be changed to different voltages, including higher voltage, leading to more easy electricity. High voltage. Thunder cheap. Neckties. High voltage. Thunder cheap. <laughs> We're just going to be like jamming out to ACDC the rest of this time. You put it in my head. I, I, could, I couldn't help it. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you're crying laughing again. 
Not like uh, uh, like last night when we watched Barry, right? Oh my god! Oh my <laughs> god! You, Don't even bring that up. Barry, Don't bring that up. Barry, please watch Barry. It's really fun. for like another okay. half hour. All right. <laughs> this will be in the outtakes, the bloopers. All right. So you can more easily produce large amounts of electricity that could then be like the power grid, right? That powers individual houses. Uh, DC has limitations on how much power it can. Uh, how it high the voltage to, it can has get. to use a lot more from what i understand i didn't go that far oh, okay <laughs> this was hard enough to explain yes, sure <laughs> um also <laughs> again don't take our advice on science <laughs> that's to, right we're like, not electricians any, anybody <laughs> um so also dc could only travel certain distances ac could travel farther so basically edison's idea with dc was that like there would be lots of local power plants, little mm-hmm. local mm-hmm. power plants that like powered all the houses within like a mile radius. Like, yeah, almost independently. Or yeah, like really small plate, not a huge yeah. grid for a huge and, area. Yeah, Tesla's know? like, let's make a grid over here. That was basically it. And yeah, I could power all this shit. Mm-hmm. So Edison was basically dead set against the idea of alternating current. He dismissed Tesla's experimental motor. He did have a vested interest in, like, DC being the prime mover here um, because he had all those patents for DC advice d- devices. Tesla got frustrated. He's like, this is superior. I don't know what your problem is. So he quit. He quit Edison's uh, plant, and that started the War of the Currents. He went to um, Westinghouse, Westinghouse oh, Electric Company, yeah which was a competitor of mm. Edison's in 1888 and sold his patents to Westinghouse. Mm. So things got ugly. Edison, like... I, I, yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> Edison started a <laughs> smear campaign well, it's, against this is, AC. This is literally, and they both predicted it correctly, and they both believed. Like They were like, this is the future. Well, the electricity, yes, was the future. It was just like which form. Yep. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, it's, like, it's like VHS and beta. <laughs> I mean, right, I yeah. mean, really, gonna win out. nobody, but we still use DC, like we, batteries yes, are DC, mm-hmm. uh, but we don't use Betamax. We, we don't we use do VHS that. either, though. Nope. <laughs> we still don't, we don't use DVDs either. <laughs> we don't even use electricity. <laughs> what is it? I was empowering things. <laughs> um, so Edison was trying to be like, AC is too dangerous to use. Of course. Let me prove it to you by killing animals. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I expected you to say. <laughs> what did you expect me to say? Something else. <laughs> so he started like executing animals <laughs> using AC. I didn't know about this. Well, before he moved on to the electric chair, oh he started God. with animals. It, yeah. It, it makes sense now. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. So after he killed a bunch <laughs> of animals. Oh, fuck, like what kind of animals? <laughs> I didn't get into it. I don't want like, to get like to bears. Like, like what, don't know. What, what was he doing? Monkeys, probably. Oh God. Dogs. Oh, I mean, Jesus we do Christ. horrible things to animals. Humans do. So I see. I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. So in, <laughs> let's move on, shall? He used that experimentation to create the electric chair. So in 1890, 30-year-old William Kemmler, a convicted murderer was unlucky enough to be the first person executed by the electric chair. And I say unlucky because, well, he he died. That's unlucky for him. 
but it did not go well. The process of him dying sounded pretty brutal. Torturous. Torturous. Yeah. The whole point of the electric chair was to actually make, make it, it quick. easier. Yeah. Uh, more, quote, humane. Yeah, so, so much for that. They put a thousand volts of electricity into his body for 17 seconds. Christ. They're like, he's dead. The doctor looked at him and was like, no, no, he's actually really not dead. They shocked him again with 2,000 votes. <laughs> like, no, he's, he's actually becoming a, an X-Man. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, some witnesses claimed they saw him catch fire. <laughs> oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. He started... They... You know what? Maybe mm. this is what they were mimicking in uh, The Green Mile. Did you ever see that movie? Oh, uh, only once, because that was Do you remember what I'm talking film. about? He... Well, spoiler alert, I guess, for anyone That's who hasn't seen it. 22 years yeah. old now. Um... Because he got, he did get executed in the end, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about the botched execution. Oh before my goodness! That. I don't remember it well enough to really. That. Okay, uh-huh. that's it's yeah, it's pretty brutal. It almost sounds exactly like this, which is why I brought it well, up. Well, so his blood vessels started bursting, so he was bleeding, like actively bleeding. This is literally the first time in history yeah. a person has succumbed to an electrocuted yes. death. Well, not necessarily because of Experim- lightning. Yes. Well, and, and experimentation maybe Accidents maybe. But lightning is electroshock. Yes. True. You know, so. But this is the first time like on Deliberate. purpose. Yes. Like what the fuck? You're like the first like, person like, deliberately execute or like, deliberately electrocuted. Like what if we like hanging somebody is more humane than this? Well, it sure turned out to be it took 8 minutes oh, to Jesus kill the man. Fucking Christ. 8 minutes of electrocution. Um, I mean, I'm sure people said it smelled terrible. I, I'll bet it yeah. sounded like what he did was pretty bad. Well, he was a mur- uh, convicted yeah. murderer, at yeah. least you know. But Presumably, he was a murderer. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look super into no. his actual case. I think he killed his wife or something like that. But oh, I thought that was legal back then. <laughs> so, oh, remember this is about Love Canal. <laughs> what? So while Edison was inventing torture devices. <laughs> Yeah, literally. To prove that AC was more dangerous than DC. He's <laughs> like, this is so much better. Watch yes. this. Watch me cook this human. Another man was working on developing an idea to generate some electricity of his own. Railroad entrepreneur William T. Love oh. wanted to harness the power of the Niagara River. Of water. Source of the breathtaking Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. He wanted to use the river to hydropower a city on the east side, the New York side of the river. Uh, just to, I, I didn't write this in here, but western New York, mm-hmm. extreme western New York is where uh, Niagara Falls is. <laughs> Literally the extreme. Yes. <laughs> if you go any further, it's Canada. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, the city is half in Canada, half mm-hmm. in the United States. So, um, so he was going to start a new development on the New York side of the river that he would name model city and model city actually is still a city in new york so really he was actually decades ahead of his time he was planning a development like well before the suburban sprawl that's true yeah so but he was planning a planned community um he was envisioning like the manicured lawns the houses the schools the whole bit Providing a homestead for, this was his plan, about 600,000 people. A utopia in freezing fucking cold. <laughs> yes, in really. <laughs> Western New right York. Beautiful Lake Ontario. Like, like, it'll, be so, it'll be so beautiful. Yes. Like, why do people keep dying of <laughs> hypothermia? For, <for> freezing. <laughs> 
But he, it, I mean, it is beautiful in the summertime and kind of in the wintertime, but it's, it's really fucking cold there in the wintertime. Lake effect. Yeah. Um, he was able to sell his idea to financial backers, so he, he had funding from bankers. He also was able to get approval from the New York State Legislature, and that let him purchase and secure the option to purchase a total of 20,000 acres of land in Niagara County. Um, of course, because this was all like a modern concept, it would require a lot of electricity, which Love planned to generate by building a canal between two parts of the Niagara River. And this spot had been identified like in the early 1800s um, as being ideal for a shipping canal. So he was kind of piggybacking off that idea, but for a modern invention, being electricity. He got financial backing uh, from several banks and started digging in 1894. I have tons of pictures. And we'll start with the groundbreaking, which looks like a funeral. It kind of does, yeah. Because they're all like super old-fashioned people wearing black. They're all wearing the same hat, too. They're all white men. And then there's one old lady over there. There you go. She's probably like 40. Shit. She probably is. (laughs) Like 38. Mm-hmm. It's 38 then. <laughs> Everybody looks it's, older it's then. 72 now. <laughs> uh, so, unfortunately for Love, his timing was pretty awful. The year before, in 1893, the Chicago's World Chicago World's Fair had taken place, and Westinghouse, mm-hmm. and by extension Tesla, had won the bid to provide the electricity yep. for the fair over GE, General Electric, who was using DC from Edison. Things hit closer to Love's home when, also in 1893, the Niagara Falls Power Company also granted Westinghouse the contract to harness the hydropower of Niagara Falls. To add insult to an already injurious year, there was a bad financial depression starting in 1893, and that caused mm-hmm. a lot of Love's yes, Canal was. funding to dry up. Further... A lot of people think it's also what led to the Spanish-American War. Really? Mm-hmm. Just to... Something to get us out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're good at that. <laughs> we're good at starting wars when we need to, a boost. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, further, uh, Tesla's AC was becoming more popular, rendering Love's plans to use DC pretty obsolete... So the yeah, he's just he's made all the wrong bets. Yeah, it was, it was he's really he's a, he's in the right game. Wrong. He's just he put, put he's his money his on mon- the wrong course. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the canal was abandoned at a length of around a mile or one point six kilometers, fifty feet wide or fifteen meters wide, and at varying depths of ten to forty feet or three to twelve meters. After the project had, in the words of one local paper, quote. Already made quite a hole in a big pile of dirt. <laughs> End quote. Love held on hope for a solid decade or better that the project could be continued, but by the time of yet another financial downturn in 1907, the plan to complete Love's suburban utopia was abandoned for good. Mm. His property was all sold off in foreclosure mm. at an auction in 1910. Mm. So, as one would suspect of a giant ditch gouged in the middle of. <laughs> Niagara County. Like, what are we going to do with it now? Yeah, it filled with rain when it rained, right? Um, kids started using it as a swimming hole in the uh, summer. They sure. started using it as a skating rink in the winter. Um, oh, and there's uh, 
here's sounds familiar actually this isn't a brilliant picture it's just a picture of a, a canal but it's a picture of a canal <laughs> so that's not that's a love mm-hmm. canal i've definitely and i'm not even joking i've skated and swam in the same spot before mm-hmm. <laughs> not in the same season no <laughs> yes uh by the 1920s the city was like you know this big hole in the ground would make a good landfill. <laughs> oh, my God. So they started dumping oh waste and chemicals in Love's Canal. Jesus Christ. And they weren't the only ones. Apparently, the army also dumped expired chemicals <laughs> word, there. Word got around. Yeah. Hey, there's hey guys. a big hole. <laughs> hey, wouldn't you know? Skippy <laughs> tells us there's a hole in the ground we can dump our chemicals in. Well, yippee. It's near Niagara. It's near Niagara. Nothing will happen to the groundwater at all. <laughs> yeah. Um... There what are, the fuck? Like, yeah. imagine, like, your mind goes there. Like, hey, we can This just... is a hundred years ago, <laughs> to be but still, clear, but yeah, I know, I know. Like, hey, we can just dump everything there. Yeah. I don't know. Edison also thought, <laughs> here's electricity, let me kill some animals. But, man, but there's other people that were like, yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, that works. There's also... <laughs> Let's invite the military, too. <laughs> yeah. There's also unconfirmed, to be clear, reports... That uh, some leftovers from the Manhattan Project were dumped there. Yeah. That would I be mean, the H bomb test. Hey, once the yeah. uh, once the low level you know army felt you know found out like right. you know for damn sure like oh all this uh, nuclear waste. Hmm. Hey, I know of a hole in Niagara. Yeah. <laughs> it's got just enough space. Mm-hmm. It won't contaminate anything. While William Love had been floundering at his canal in the oh early 1900s, God, so you gotta be kidding me. a new chemical company was up and coming in Rochester, New York. Hooker Electrochemical Company hmm. was founded in 1903 and built their first Niagara Falls plant just two years later, thanks to the cheap electricity available, available courtesy of Westinghouse a and c- the Falls. A city I lived in for five years. Yeah. You have Rochester connections. Yeah. Five of like the shittiest years oh, of my life. That wasn't Rochester's fault. Yeah, it kind of was. Oh, okay. <laughs> Some good times, though. Now we're going to get an email from a listener from Rochester. <laughs> from Rochester. <laughs> I hope so. No, we're not. They're going to be like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> hooker Chemical made their name I, by manual. I've never heard of this company. Well, so they're not Hooker anymore, and okay. they haven't been for a long time. Okay. We'll get to that. But sure. Hooker Chemical made their name by manufacturing lots of clean, wholesome products, like caustic soda, fertilizer, pesticides, and plastic. The good stuff. Yep. Fast forward to the 1940s, and Hooker, like... Was like, hey, you know that love canal there? You know that hole? <laughs> like, maybe we can dump <laughs> our shit in there too. So they got permission from the state of New York to do that in 1942. Like, who do we have to pay off? Like, <laughs> I, I honestly, I don't think it was like corrupt, pro- corrupt yeah, things. Right. It was True. just like this is way before the EPA. Yes, and we're gonna get to that too. so many things to get to. Jesus yes. Christ! Mm-hmm. Like, oh my. Yep. And at that point, the canal was no longer like a traditional canal. Have it your way, (laughs) pro-capitalist. It had been drained of its water. So this was literally just a hole in the ground at this point. Um, And it was also lined with clay, deliberately lined with clay. The chemicals hookers started dumping weren't just like, like they were emptying test tubes or anything. They put them in drums. 
55 gallon or 210 liter barrels. Mm-hmm. Five years later, in 1947, Hooker actually bought the canal officially and some of the surrounding land, and they converted it into a literal landfill. So not just like this casual dumping site. And the following year, Hooker... But they they still had casual dumping Fridays. (laughs) Where the barrels were jeans. Where where you you just bring anything you want. Washing machine, we'll take it. The following year, Hooker became the only remaining entity to dump at the landfill. So now it was no more army, no more anybody else. So a lot of what they dumped was left over from their military contracts during World War II. Yeah, that doesn't sound good at all. Uh, Here's my... I like my little titles. There goes the neighborhood, yes. So in the post-war boom, so post-World War II Mm -hmm. boom, we know we had a boom... Niagara Falls, along with many, many American cities, began to grow. Oh, yeah. Hooker saw the writing Especially on the wall. Especially in that wall. part of the, of, the uh, North New, East, New York yeah. and Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, yep. yeah, Buffalo, Rochester. Mm-hmm. I mean, freaking Kodak was in Rochester. Industry really mm-hmm. took off. It was huge. Yeah. Like a second. It's not like it is now. Industrial revolution. Yeah. Right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was not the Rust Belt era. <clears throat> this was the fucking... We're, Fucking, the boom town we're, we're era. printing fucking money era. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hooker saw the writing on the wall and decided to close up shop at the landfill. They made sure made sure the chemicals were all at what they deemed sufficient depth, a minimum of twenty feet under or six meters, and then they covered over them with clay, like to meant to be like a seal to prevent sure. leaking. In 1952, a buyer reached out to Hooker Chemical wanting to buy the property. The the people who wanted to buy the property were the local school board. Oh. Yeah. And they thought that this former landfill would make a great site for a school. Oh, my God. Yeah. Some executives at Hooker Chemical were like, no, we can't sell this to a school board. Um, cause like there's that chemicals. Would, cause that would just be wrong. <laughs> yes, maybe there's actually conscience in the C-suite at that point. I don't know. Like, what if they drill into the ground to put the pipes and stuff that you need for a school? And oh, Jesus fucking Christ! But ultimately, Hooker agreed to the sale, primarily because their in-house legal counsel thought that the sale would be a good way. To pass on any future liability. Of course. Yes. They're like, they found you know their, they're like, they're like, you know what? There's we're our gonna, loophole. We're going to need an army of lawyers. Mm-hmm. If one of them can find something concrete. Oh, he did it. Boom. Uh-huh. There's our $5 million well spent. So. Let's charge them 10. They sold. Well, here's the thing. They sold the land to Niagara Falls School Board on April 28th, 1953. How much do you think? They sold it for. I, 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 $10 million? I mean, was was I correct? Probably not. Nope. I'm going to go with the Price is Right bid. $1, Bob. Oh. oh they sold it for $1. To get rid of the, yes, for the legal yeah. transfer. To legal, get rid. Legal tender. Because tra- you have to charge something. Yes, you do. I've had to do that when mm-hmm. I worked Otherwise, in, it's a gift. Had to work, do that in advertising before. Mm-hmm. It's like, I have to charge you something. 
Mm. It's a dollar. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to give me a dollar. It's consi- just just contra- contractually. Right. Mm-hmm. There has to be at least one dollar on there. And I'm sure that was a, out of the goodness of their heart, you know. <laughs> of course it was. <laughs> That's why we're doing this on a <sighs> podcast about tragedies. Yep. Not so, successes. Obviously, they basically paid the school board <laughs> to, to just take pass it. on their liability. Uh, the contract of the sale included a lengthy clause disclosing the fact that the site had been used as a chemical dumping ground for years and stating the purchaser was solely responsible for any future legal claims surrounding the chemicals. And it was in the tiniest print at the very last. I'm kidding. I doubt it. I just think because like, the school board should have yeah. had just as men, you know, just as good of a legal counsel representation yeah but i guess they figured it was i mean this is also 1953 i don't shit's being built all over the place and i mean really i don't think people understand the toxicity it was no. better living through chemistry at that point mm-hmm. you know so yeah people don't yeah really didn't understand in 1953 what happens when you put chemicals into the ground i don't think so no no <laughs> they come to find out <clears throat> they're like it's not the h-bomb we're fine and plus, it's like, we're all going to die soon when the Russians nuke us. <laughs> That's so. all good. So despite the very clear description in the contract, the school board apparently still didn't see a problem with using the land. So soon after the sale, they started excavation on the 99th Street Elementary School on the land. The architect... I wonder how this is going to go. <laughs> well, so the, uh, they, they started digging, right? And the architect, <laughs> like, very soon after started wrote a letter to the school board saying like, okay, so while we were digging, we hit two sites with drums filled with chemical waste. So should we be building here? Really? That was not a direct quote, but you get the idea. That's what was going through his mind though. The school board was like, you know what? You're right. You're right. We shouldn't be digging here. Let's Let's dig somewhere else. Let's move about 85 feet north. (laughs) We're about 25 kilometers. That's exactly what they did. They're like, we're just going to move a little. See that spot over there? We're just going to move there. Move away from those barrels. Yes, just away from the barrels. Exactly. Uh, Those those puncture marks, we'll blame it on something. We'll blame it on a bird. Clay. Clay covers it up. A bird got in there. A badger got in there. Yeah. Well, it's a, what's in Western New York? What, (laughs) what wildlife is in Western New York? Quite quite a bit. I mean, there's, there's a, Black and brown bears. Oh, uh, well, the that's more on the. That's more of where I'm from. Mm. I don't know about Western New York. But we'll they're, blame they're, it on a buffalo. Yeah, well, they they don't live there either. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a legitimate thing. Uh, this also involved the relocation of the kindergarten playground, which had been initially set directly over tons of toxic waste. It's a good place for it. Um, I don't think I put it in here, but but so Hooker Chemical alone, not counting for the Army and all the previous dumping, Hooker Chemical alone dumped over 20,000 tons of chemicals. <laughs> Holy fuck. Like, oh my God. That's The 99th Street School opened in 1955 with 400 little children attending soon after opening a large part of the ground crumbled in and some of the drums were visible are you fucking serious when it rained in this part of the grounds it would create puddles the little children loved puddles and they started sloshing around in this toxic waste 
Um, and of course, that made the school board did say they, did they at least fix the hole where the drums are visible? Did they do that? I don't know. I didn't. Like, did they see at least that. do that? I don't know. But you know what they did do? <laughs> They're like, you know what the thing about this site is? We need to build another school here. Yes. So they did. Let's have more. They opened the ninety third Street maybe, maybe School we can six find, blocks away. <laughs> maybe we can find some more exposed drums. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a fucking game. Like it. Like it's Monopoly. Yeah. Like, like I'll just put another one here because mm-hmm. it's it's cheaper. Yeah, it only, only costs a dollar. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> if you can't if you can't make if you can't make lemons out of toxic nuclear waste barrels that are exposed, you mean lemonade, whatever. <laughs> then you can't then you can't succeed in life, can you? <laughs> the school didn't take up the whole parcel of land purchased from Hooker. So the board went on to sell the rest of the land to housing developers in 1957, despite Hooker Chemical coming out of the woodwork once again to say, hey, just a reminder, this is a toxic dump. Wait, you know, former dump site. Uh, They didn't care. Hundreds of homes were constructed on the site as the area continued to grow in population. Along with these homes came, of course, infrastructure development, including water and sewer lines, that breached the seal of the dump site, causing the buried mm. chemicals to leach into the groundwater. Precipitation only made matters worse and spread the chemicals even further. Despite the thorough knowledge of what Love Canal was storing underground, no one was monitoring or testing the water or the site at all. Can you fucking imagine? And I'm sure you're going to get into this. Mm-hmm. Can you fucking imagine having to fix that? There's not. What the fuck are you? Not, what the fuck are you gonna do? We will get into that. That's all I can say. The answer is not much. Yeah. But we're gonna get to that. Like it's, you, this is. You this can't is an like a, You can't story. like build like okay. Well, we'll replace that part of Earth and grow it, and then when it's ready, right, We'll just cut we'll it just, out. We'll just and... put it right back. <laughs> yeah. Like transplant. No. No. Those chemicals. Spoiler alert. They're still. They're still there. Of course they are. There's no moving. We know that. There's no moving. There's still a fire going on underneath the city in small towns. Yes, in Pennsylvania. (laughs) So no monitoring, no testing, and to be clear, no notification of the residents that this was going on either. The residents didn't know about this. I mean, and this isn't Google days where you could find out about where you're moving to, you know. But the people selling them the homes probably didn't say jack shit. Well, that part I believe, but did they know? Oh, well, yeah. I don't know about realtors. The developers sure. The, the knew. developers knew. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they were like. Well, at the very least, the school board knew. But the school board sold some of the, some of the, the land, so they probably did the same liability transfer. And they're both like freaking swimming in cash. Oh yeah. So and, in like, the words of John Ralphio, flood with cash. <laughs> John Ralphio Sepperstein. That's right. One of the best characters in the history of television. So great. So great. So great. Um, So the only thing that seemed off to the residents who knew nothing about the origins of their neighborhood, that when puddles formed when it rained, it... Sorry. It it looked weird. The water looked (laughs) funny. It looked funny. And they would sometimes smell a funny smell. Kind of greenish. When reported to the city, they'd be like, hey, there's this weird smelly puddle in my yard. The city would generally just send a municipal worker to cover over the puddle. <laughs> yeah. 
fill in the puddle. Yeah. We're going to put some dirt on that. Yes, exactly. That helps everything. <laughs> oh. Okay. So we're talking about how the city workers would come and fill up the bottles with dirt. Yes. <clears throat> By 1976, the Love Canal neighborhood was enjoying its reputation as a solid, working-class, commuting neighborhood in the Niagara Falls area. Many were happily growing their families in one of the thousand-plus houses and subsidized apartments in the area. And life was great, except for the weird puddles and the smells. Other well, than that. <clears throat> well, and part of this story, too, is this was not like a super upper class neighborhood. This sure. is like a working class commuter neighborhood, you know. Absolutely. While the chemical waste was seeping out from day one in the Love Canal neighborhood, it would take nearly 20 years for the situation to be exposed to the public. Mm-hmm. The prime mover of this was unusually high levels of precipitation. In 1975 and 1976, the more it rained, the more the chemicals from the dump site leaked and then made their way above ground, becoming much more obvious to the residents. Snow, too, once uh, spring came along. Like all We're the... going to get to that oh, in just a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> the residents, Sorry. That's okay. The residents were finding more and more of the noxious puddles in their yards and basements or on the school grounds. And there is some... There are some a number I, of pictures. I hope this right? is a hope this is a black and white photo. Mm-mm. It's color. This is somebody's basement. That is disgusting. It looks like black something mold or is, something. Yeah, something's. Those are the chemicals really wrong. Leaching it, into their basement. It and mold isn't supposed to grow on bricks. It's, it does it not grow on concrete. I don't think it's supposed to. I don't know, but it looks. It, it looks I don't pretty, know enough about mold. Looks pretty bad. It looks very to, bad to say the least. Mm-hmm. No, it looks bad for sure. God. Some of these puddles included black fluid, which some residents correctly suspected was <clears throat> not normal for rainwater. <laughs> All these signs eventually caused enough concerns amongst residents to start talking to each other about it. Local journalists also caught wind of the events at Love Canal. David Pollock and David Russell, two reporters from the Niagara Falls Gazette, picked up on the story and had some nearby sump pumps tested for chemicals. And lo and behold, to nobody's shock... Jeez, I wonder what they found. Yes, there were toxic chemicals at Love Canal. (laughs) Toxic levels of, like, five dozen different things. Right. Uh, They ran their stories near the end of 1976, but not a lot of traction was picked up immediately. Sure. In January of 1977, Ah. the year of our Lord and your birth month. Yes. It was my fault. (laughs) A still notorious blizzard and Ah, topic on our disaster spreadsheet hit western New York hard, including Niagara Falls, continuing the trend of ridiculously high levels of precipitation in the area that continued to worsen the chemical leaching. Kids couldn't always play in the grass oh my God. because they got chemical burns <sighs> on their feet. Jesus Christ. Kids also played with what they called hot rocks. So they they would oh take rocks you, I, yes, I, oh and God. throw them against buildings and they would explode. <laughs> the rocks would like pop and, and they would probably have like lesions and stuff on their hands and shit because it's all, I mean, you're literally picking up toxic chemicals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With your bare hand. Yeah. 
Which you're never supposed to do under any circumstance. And also that's not normal for rocks. No. (laughs) To explode. So the Gazette continued their investigation, and the situation got bad enough for the still new Environmental Protection Agency, or EPA, at that point still a relatively young agency, having been formed in? Uh, 1972? 70. Oh, okay. Under Nixon. Under Nixon. Mm -hmm. To begin testing in the area. So the EPA was starting to move in. (laughs) Like, we got a job for you guys. Yeah. They identified 421 separate chemicals on site. God. These included dioxin, an actual poison. Yes. Arsenic, a poison. (laughs) Or you can give it to marathon runners. (laughs) (laughs) There's that too. (laughs) Um, uh, Benzene. That's that's not good. Found in crude oil and a big component of gasoline. Chloroform. I think we know what chloroform does. Christ. And toluene, a solvent found in paint thinner and nail polish. This is in the ground. In yeah, the ground just hanging water. out. Yeah. And and, people are bathing in it, showering in it. Uh, kids are throwing hot balls or whatever. Hot rocks. Hot rocks. <laughs> hot balls. Hot balls. <laughs> you hot. know those? I don't. <laughs> the name hot balls reminded I, me of the little candy. The clackers. Oh. You know no. the clacker thingies mm-hmm. where you hold the post and the balls clack back and forth? Anyway, but yeah. yes, Pop Rocks, too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In early 1978, a young mother named Lois Gibbs was starting to become troubled about her family's multiplying health problems after moving to Love Canal a few years prior. This is Lois. She becomes a pretty big figure sure. in all of this. Her son... It's like, why why is uh, everybody losing their hair at 26? Well, so here's the thing. Her son, who had been healthy before they moved to Love Canal... Jesus Christ. uh, ...started having asthma, liver problems, and urinary tract problems, among other issues. Like, an otherwise healthy kid suddenly starts being not so healthy. Yeah. And he attended the 99th Street School. She read the newspaper articles about the dump site and started connecting the dots. She's like, this toxic chemicals? Wait, sorry, what? Lois took the information from the news article and the EPA's testing results to her son's doctor, who was like, yeah, you're going to want to get him out of that school. Like, start reducing his exposure. And you're also going to want to move. Well, there's that. Um, You're going to want to take baths in, like, like moon rock salt from now on. (laughs) But here's the thing. So she's like, okay, I'm, let me get him out of this school, right? So she got doctor's notes from two different doctors and took it to the school saying, hey, my kid needs to transfer out because he's not healthy because of this school. The school board denied mm-hmm. the transfer saying, well, if we admit one kid's got health problems because of the school, then everyone's going to panic and leave the school. So instead of harming one kid, let's harm them all. <laughs> let's harm them all. Yeah. <laughs> for the illusion that everything yep. is okay. Mm-hmm. So Boy. Lois started organizing with her neighbors, including co-leader Tom Heiser. And though they were initially met with resistance, especially from people who are like, you are going to drive down our property values, which is a legitimate concern considering most working and middle class people, where is the bulk of our net worth? Property. In our homes, Exactly. For the I'm, few I'm, of us who still own homes no these shit. days. I'm pretty sure if it 
yeah, we'd make the proper decision. But the, but again, this this is people that you know, it's a different time and everything, and it's just like, what could this possibly be? Yeah, they well, and probably I'm guessing a big part of it is well. Why has, if this is such a big problem, why hasn't it been addressed already? It must yeah. not be such why a big problem. Why hasn't anybody taken care of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but the as the situation rapidly deteriorated, more people joined the cause. And 1978 would prove to be the turning point of the now decades-long Love Canal exposure. More record-setting rainfalls made it extremely clear the situation in the neighborhood was anything but normal. And the local residents were no longer keeping quiet. Lois and Tom's group continued to grow, and they started petitioning for investigations. Many working-class moms in the neighborhood called their state reps outraged, Mm -hmm. and infuriatingly, and typically for the time, were dismissed as hysterical housewives. Of course. Fortunately, some key people didn't leave the issue alone, including reporter Michael Brown, who started running regular articles of his own investigations, Mm -hmm. which included surveys of local residents that revealed abnormally high incidents of birth defects Mm -hmm. in local babies. And again, another another fine example of why local reporting Mm -hmm. is so important. Yes, absolutely. If everything becomes corporate in media... Good luck on something like this ever getting. Yep, it's those not are, happening. Those repeated articles probably mm-hmm. are what kept it alive, of or helped, it was. sure helped yes. it. You know, yeah, because um, you know he's probably experiencing it too. Right? Yeah. Well, again, that's why local reporting <laughs> yeah. is important, right? Because it's affecting the journalists yeah. too. Yeah. So they have a vested interest. Um, the New York Health Department of Health Commissioner Robert Whalen also fortunately took this issue seriously. He visited Love Canal and called the site, quote, an extremely serious threat and danger to the health, safety, and welfare of those using it, living near it, or exposed to the conditions emanating from it. He was probably walking in. I'm guessing people probably fucking looked like. Can you imagine walking into a mass of, like, unhealthy people due to toxic exposure? Well, and the smell. What the fuck that would look like? Because they probably the residents were kind of used to it. Yeah, exactly. But it, yeah. it's it's the what the the analogy of the monkey house. When you live in the monkey house, you don't. It doesn't smell you, you like the monkey house. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Um. So uh, he's probably just like, what the <clears throat> holy fuck? Like this, like no this kidding. is this is bad, guys. This isn't normal. Yeah, this is beyond yeah. bad. Mm-hmm. In April of 1978, he required that the location of the former dump site be fenced off. Yes. And that the residents' health be studied. Yes. He also told people not to eat any fruits or vegetables that they grew in their garden. Good idea. To stay out of their basements. Also a good idea. And we're basically like, hey, if you're pregnant or any kids under two, get out. But you know what? That sounds like it's going to go against my freedom to go into my basement. This, this, that's not the situation we're dealing with here. But of course, that's what it would be now. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes we we know that well. Yeah. <laughs> that's what the situation would be today. Yes, it would. It like, would. I'll go into my basement. It's my right to be poisoned. It's my right to go into my basement and play in the black puddles. Yes, yes. that's correct. <laughs> so beyond pregnant women and very young children, most residents wanted nothing more 
than to get out of Love Canal and stop exposing themselves and their kids to these toxic chemicals. But because it was a working class neighborhood, it's not like people were like, oh, sure, I'll just sell, relocate. They didn't have any power. Mm -mm. And or the means, you know, it's there's there's any time you hear of like people. Well, why didn't you just leave? Why didn't you just pull your kid out of that school? Why didn't you just whatever? It's like, do you realize how privileged you are? Do you know how much of a process that is? Well, or how much financial means yeah. it takes to do, and not everybody's got that. In fact, and, most and, people don't. And a don't. complete restructuring of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Lois Gibbs start helped to start a formal organization to fight for the residents at Love Canal, the Love Canal Homeowners Association, or the LCHA. And this is a picture of Lois okay, nice. outside the headquarters. They raised awareness of the situation to residents as well as the media, including appearing on the very popular at the time Phil Donahue show. I was actually going to say that. Mm-hmm. Yep. And th- he was... Because that's what he was back in the day. He was Oprah before Oprah yeah. was Oprah, and then mm-hmm. Oprah killed him, basically. Yeah. Like, killed his show. Then he became Phil Donahue. Then he became, yeah, then he became, like, the old old asshole. Um, they also held town hall meetings with residents chanting, we want out. On August yeah. 2nd... Somebody, f- federal or state government, fucking pay us. Yeah, our- help us get out of here. Yep. On August 2nd, 1978, New York Governor Hugh Carey declared a state of emergency at Love Canal, followed five days later by a federal health emergency declaration by President Jimmy Carter. And this was the first time in the history of the United States that emergency funds were used for a disaster other than a natural disaster. Interesting. Commissioner Whelan was given funding... Uh, to conduct long-term health testing on Love Canal residents, and the EPA continued environmental testing. They found some radioactivity within a few spots, although from what I could tell, that was not the primary concern. It was the chemicals, not necessarily radioactivity. Dead trees, grass, and plants were all over the place. Dead animals too, probably. Yeah, probably. Kids got frequent chemical burns and rashes anytime, anytime they were exposed to puddles. An incidence of higher-than-average birth defects was confirmed, as were unusually high white blood cell counts in residents, which is an early sign of leukemia. Other health complications the residents experienced at higher rates included stillbirths, miscarriages, chromosomal abnormalities, acne, skin boils, asthma, kidney disease, liver disease, and cancer, among other things. The neighborhood was divided into zones by tested exposure levels, with Ground Zero being the 99th Street School, which was summarily, finally shut down. So here's sort of the the visualization of the map. That's the school, that's the canal, and mm-hmm. then that's the neighborhood. Oh, just, oh my God. Just, so you can see how it was split no es- into yep. like severities there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's also, there's no escaping the canal. Well, because it's leaching out in every direction. Yep. You can't just say it stopped at any one place. And that's also why they had to zone it out. Like, what's the worst affected? What's the least affected? What's in between? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. oh, God. Hugh Carey ordered that the state buy some of the homes in that immediate zone close to the canal. Yeah. Allowing those closest to the chemicals to evacuate. Of course, they were not the only ones effective. Affected, rather. Um, But those outside of the evacuated area were given a line that they were not in any immediate danger, which, of course, they knew better of. 
The LHCA. <laughs> you're not on top of the toxic zone. You're just near it. You're just near it. It's, it's, it'll, it'll be stop. fine. The air will stop. It'll it. be fine. Yeah. It'll only be a minor chemical burn mm-hmm. yep. instead of a major one. The LHCA continued to fight for two more years, and they were not above some pretty incendiary, literally, tactics, including burning effigies of the entire first family. That would be Jimmy, Rosalind, and Amy Carter. Holy shit. They burn, yeah, they burn mannequins representing them. You can also see this as a kid wearing a sign that says, please help me. Love canal recipe. Mix 82 chemicals. Place in canal for 25 years. Yield sickness and death. You know what? I mean, that's not the worst sign for... Uh... Here's more. My God. I want a swimming pool in my backyard, not, not a cesspool. cesspool. Thanks, Hooker. Mm-hmm. For sale, uh, 82, 82 chemicals. chemicals. You dig them. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Well, yeah. What else? Did, I mean, like, no one was was uh, championing for them. They had to do that themselves. Because the government was like, well, we got the, the worst. You know, like, the worst affected are fine. But they were not the only affected, you know? Finally... In the spring of 1980, the preliminary results of the EPA's long-term study results were leaked to the press, confirming the link... <laughs> leaked to the press. Yeah. Leached to the press, right? Press, right? Uh, confirming the link between the chemical exposure at Love Canal and chromosomal abnormalities, which could lead to cancer, birth defects, lots of All sorts of, of fucking shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shit we probably still haven't even thought of. The EPA, like, immediately descended on Love Canal to do damage control with the residents... Who were learning about the results along with the rest of the country through the press. The two EPA officials sent were met with a very angry crowd at the LHCA headquarters. In the words of Lois Gibbs, quote, they decided that if it's so safe to live at Love Canal, these two officials can live here too, and they're not going to get evacuated until we get evacuated, end quote. That's quite a threat. So this is often referred to as a standoff mm-hmm. and not a hostage situation, but yeah. Basically, they held these two officials hostage for a few hours. Now, standoff is probably a little more accurate. Apparently, yeah. one of the officials, a Frank named a man named Frank Nepal, was actually pretty cool with the whole situation. According to Lois, quote, he was telling us how he used to be involved in the Vietnam War protests, so he thought it was kind of cool being held hostage. <laughs> so they actually had sympathizers with them, basically. Uh, The semi-hostage situation lasted five hours and drove the point home to President Carter, who was up for re-election in the fall of 1980. Well, we know how that went down. Yeah. On top of everything else. Yeah. We're about to enter the Reagan era. Yeah. Uh, The federal government relented and agreed to evacuate the remaining 700 families of Love Canal. The state of New York and the federal government bought 400 of the homes closest to the contamination site at a cost of around $15 million, which is about $51 million today, and demolished many of the houses. I fucking hope so. Some residents farther away from the site on the east side of town did choose to return to their homes. The most toxic part of the dump site, an area of about 16 acres, was dug up and reburied in the pit, this time lined with thick plastic, clay, and dirt. Imagine having that for a job. <sighs> they were wearing the full-blown hazmat. The amount hazmat. of shit you'd have to wear? They were, too. Um, oh, yeah, <clears throat> I, I hope think so. I... Oh, here's another um, protest thing. 
don't touch me. I am contaminated by love to know. Jesus. Yeah. No, you can see some of the cleanup stuff. We're going to get into that. That's what they were wearing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Basically space suits, right? So, uh, Love Canal was the direct catalyst. Oh, it was also sealed up in a high barbed wire fence was erected around it. Good idea. Mm -hmm. Love Canal was the direct catalyst for what is now known as Superfund legislation. Along with Times Beach, Missouri, which we did talk about, uh, we have covered, and the Valley of the Drums in Kentucky. Specifically, the Comprehensive Environmental Response, Compensation, and Liability Act, or CERCLA, was passed in 1980, the Superfund law. The law makes it the responsibility of the federal government via the EPA to identify, investigate, and clean up sites contaminated with hazardous substances. And these are known as Superfund sites, named after the trust fund created to help fund the responses. The cleanup at Love Canal lasted 21 years at a cost of $400 million in 2004 dollars. Today, that's about $600 million. To me, it's worth every penny. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. be a lot better if it never happened in the first place. True. The 20,000 plus tons of chemicals organically or originally buried still remain at Love Canal. There was no way to, where would you put them? (laughs) And how do you get them out safely? Yeah. mm -hmm. So it's, yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll fortify around it. Yeah. Instead. Congressional hearings were held to determine the extent of Hooker Chemicals liability, mainly because the EPA wanted the company to foot a good portion of the taxpayers cleanup bill. Hooker had been absorbed as a branch of Occidental Petroleum Company in 1968. Executive Bruce Davis argued in the hearings that Hooker wasn't legally liable because the land on Love Canal wasn't occupied by residents at the time they owned and were dumping on the land. (laughs) Where is Love Canal anyway? Did Uh, we own that? (laughs) One rep in particular pushed back especially hard. A rep from Tennessee named Al Gore. Oh, he showed nice. documentation that the company was well out. aware of the effects of the chemicals on the residents. The protracted legal battle between Occidental Petroleum and the federal government ended in 1995 when they were found negligent but not reckless in the Love Canal case and were ordered to pay the EPA $129 million or now about $236 million in restitution. So they footed like a third or a little more of the bill. Yeah. But if you have those documents and that's all you get out of it, it's, it's like, motherfucker, you're paying for the whole fucking shebang. Because mm-hmm. we get this. Or do you want to go to jail? Yeah. In 1988, Love Canal was deemed suitable for rehabilitation as a residential community. Here's modern-day Love Canal, and that's the canal site. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Homes were refurbished and put up for sale at extremely low prices to encourage people to move (laughs) there. This one's $10. This obviously wasn't cool with many people, including Lois Gibson's group, who still considered the area dangerous no matter how far removed from the past. They pointed out that the chemicals were and still are buried underground, and there cannot be a guarantee that they won't cause a problem in the future. Others pointed out that there are monitoring systems in place that would indicate if there was a need to worry. And the final results of the EPA study concluded that the residents of Love Canal had no higher chromosomal abnormality incidence than the residents in the rest of Niagara County. Some argue that the relatively few incidents of major health problems at Love Canal may indicate the chemicals were not causing as many issues as originally thought. 
However, as one father at Love Canal stated in the heat of the controversy, quote, I heard someone from the press saying that there were only five cases of birth defects here. When you go back to your people at EPA, please don't use the phrase only five cases. People must realize that this is a tiny community. Five birth defect cases here is terrifying. It's also worth noting that chromosomal defects are not a catch-all indicator for health effects. I was going to say, like, they're probably going off of, well, we've got Technically. this. We've got this metric. Yes, this specific. And if, and if this uh-huh. metric works out, then it's all good. Mm-hmm. Additionally, it's notable that the study did not cl- include anyone who died of cancer prior to 1972 or who moved away from Love Canal before 1978. So it's not the whole population sure. at all. It's a segment. That's it. Of course, none of those possible mitigations uh, help, wait, help the former, yeah, sorry, help the former Love Canal residents who even now face cancer and other health issues, regardless of whether the problems were caused by the chemicals or not. One former resident, Joseph Retton, was interviewed in the 2013 Retro Report about Love Canal. He revealed at the time of the interview that he had stage four pancreatic cancer that had spread to his liver. He said, quote, I worked at chemical plants. I was exposed to Agent Orange. I lived in Love Canal. I don't know where my cancer comes from, end quote. The Retro Report noted that he died and, of his that, cancer the following year. I was just going to say, and then he flew away. Well, then he died. Because he became an X-Men. Because of all the chemicals. That's but, cute. Yeah. Except the guy I, I was I was hoping that's what would happen. I know. Of course, understandably, many residents also instigated legal action. Yeah. Class action lawsuits. really hard to find any reportable results from the lawsuits. Yeah. Probably because there are so many, and many, many lawsuits were settled. And for they're generally sums. just not reported on. For the most part. Not I mean, anymore. You don't no. hear about this shit. Even no. I had heard of asbestos. And you can't stuff, go back, but... like with uh, certain things I've researched, you can't really go back to like a 1992 local papers. Right. To find that. It's too it's, hard to find. It. Yeah. We're not journalists. No. <laughs> um, also, there are lawyers who still specialize in Love Canal and similar, similar types of toxic chemical exposure. Makes sense. And a lot of them also specialize in mesothelioma. Of which course. Which is what asbestos, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and this was also only 40-ish years ago, so there's still plenty of people, especially Mm -hmm. who were kids at the time, who are still dealing with those effects. But that's not the only reason why this is all still ongoing. In 2011, a city crew repairing a sewer line less than half a mile from the canal found a bunch of toxic chemicals. Oh, Jesus Christ. It was believed to have been left over from the original cleanup, and the state of New York and EPA assured residents it wasn't dangerous. Of course, that's not particularly comforting to residents at Love Canal. Six families filed lawsuits surrounding this new discovery. Fifteen more were filed in 2014 by residents claiming they are still suffering ill health effects from chemicals at Love Canal. They were still pending along with three other new lawsuits as of 2018. Many of those who left during the Superfund era have the same philosophy surrounding the area. That Love Canal should be completely abandoned and no one should live there yeah. ever. That, my friends, is the story of Love Canal. I agree with that synopsis wholeheartedly. Yeah. Just, um, just nobody should be there. It should be a ghost town, frankly. Yeah. It should be an environmental study site. Yeah. Still a super fun site in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe not active cleanup, like, but what happens? And... What happens when you dump... 82 different chemicals right. into the ground and they leak. Mm-hmm. 
and cross with each other and like I'm sure I, I'm sure there are many scientists that would be fascinated to find out like right. what the fuck happens. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, we built houses on top of yeah. it instead. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole time I'm thinking like the city of Flint still doesn't have clean yeah, drinking water. That's right. Mm-hmm. Nine years later. Mm-hmm. Okay. We just don't give a give a shit. Like, no, it's just like all of our money is spent on other things that aren't necessary. Like killing other people. Yeah, like war. Yeah. And bailing out that. bailing out companies who have told us all this time, mm-hmm. hey, you got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. You. Mm-hmm. Not me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll, they'll just print money for me if I need it. It really was capitalism all along. Still is. Still is every day. Mm-hmm. Every day. Killing us all slowly. But, I mean... <laughs> But, on but, the bright side, what's this, your bright side? I, I think the, the bright side is this past year has taught us that people are... People are starting to stand up to it. The amount of people that quit jobs and mm-hmm. or are looking for new jobs and or going to school looking for it has... Mm-hmm. I think people are finally catching on. Yeah. Myself being included. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It's like, I already knew. Mm-hmm. But, it's, but I, to me, I signed up for it. To me, it's not that big of a bother, but that's just me. To plenty of other people, I can see why it's a fucking bother. Well, the problem is we need to care that it's a bother to other mm-hmm. people. Yeah, and like, I do. just because something doesn't affect you doesn't yep. mean it's not exactly. an issue. Exactly, and I do. So, yeah. We both do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're both in good shape. Oh, but yeah, there, we're, but there we're are, fine. There are plenty of other people that are not. That's right, and that's a problem. That's a big, big problem, and it's our problem, too. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's our problem now. It'll really be a problem. I mean, if it doesn't get solved. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I mean, we're all going to die anyway. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There it is. Bingo. But, uh, I mean. I did not know. I just knew that. Information of Love Canal. I just knew the name Love Canal. Like, as soon Mm -hmm. as you started getting to, it was like a toxic waste. (laughs) I was like, okay. Uh Because I was mixing it it up with uh, Three Mile Island. Uh Uh-huh. That's also New York. Yes, Uh it is. Um, Other side. We we have not done that. No, we have. It's on our list, but we've not done it. That's that's one of the few heavy hitters that are left, I think. I think we've covered I don't know. I mean, every year there's more heavy hitters that, you know, crop up. But, uh, yeah, they did offer the people homes. And of course, you know, some people like, I mean, owning a home is a big thing. And of course, but as soon as that transaction, like, oh, I'm going to charge you a dollar for this home. Now it's your liability. Like they were, they were, it was the land they sold. But they were still, but they were still doing that though. Transferring the liability over to the next buyer. Yeah. Which, uh, doesn't really work that way. There's, um, there's a, we talked about this in the asbestos case. There's a, uh, I think it was the asbestos case or it was the insurance liability insurance crisis the idea of strict liability mm-hmm. that yep. in certain situations there's a, you don't absolve yourself of liability right. you can't get rid of your liability um especially if we can prove you knew and you tried to sell this that's basically try the to idea. pass the buck mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah. well i mean it, uh, i would say like from a policy perspective mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of <laughs> In the Reagan era, the beginning in the Reagan era, mm-hmm. it's about the best you're going to get. Like a 21-year cleanup. Cleanup, yeah. That was a super fun site and all that, yeah. Yeah. The next, and I I know people have brought up super fun sites on 
topics and stuff like oh, that. Oh yeah, time but, speech. Yeah. But uh, the next time we decide to cover one, mm-hmm. I think I think we should have cousin Chad back. Oh yeah, I was thinking about him when I did the research. Because I'm like, yeah, he's because he's an environmental. People um, seem to uh, enjoy our Woodstock '99 episode. <laughs> yes, I which, think so. Which he attended. Uh huh. Um and. A super fun site like this this that's the field he works in mm-hmm. that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. he'd probably be able to give a lot more information than i am mm. tons more <laughs> <laughs> all right so let me see so you know what it's the story of it's the story of love canal yeah yeah, yeah. but i i wasn't sure if there was a year no, attached that's to it, it. Oh, okay no because there's no one that's year. true it was that's decades. true it's it's still going on <laughs> people still live there that is the people evo- are still being poisoned that was the evolution yeah the still going evolution mm-hmm. which is what evolution means mm-hmm. of love canal the story of love canal this has been another episode of all bad things i'm david i'm rachel we'll see you next week <laughs>